Dear church family, as we gather for worship this morning, we we hear our God's call to come and worship from Psalm 67, the first four verses. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That we may know, that we may be known upon the earth. That thy way may be known upon the earth. Thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Please turn with me now also to the New Testament, to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Luke, chapter 15. We will read the first ten verses. Then drew near unto him, that's to Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons, which need no repentance. And either what what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently to find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. And likewise I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So far the reading of God's holy and infallible word. In light of the celebration and commemoration of Christ's suffering and death with the Lord's Supper uh, this coming Lord's Day, we're going to read the first portion of the forum for the administration of the Lord's Supper. Please turn with me and to the back of the Psalters, page 136. <clears throat> Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, attend to the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, as they are delivered by the Holy Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 29. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, 
This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, which he had supped, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That we may now celebrate the supper of the Lord to our comfort, it is above all things necessary, first, rightly to examine ourselves, and secondly, to direct it to that end for which Christ hath ordained and instituted the same, namely, to his remembrance. The, the true examination of ourselves consists of these three parts. First, that everyone consider by himself his sins and the curse due to him for, for them, to the end that he may abhor and humble himself before God, considering that the wrath of God against sin is so great that rather than it should go unpunished, he hath punished the same in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, with the bitter and shameful death of the cross. And secondly, that every one examine his own heart, whether he doth believe this faithful promise of God, that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the passion and death of Jesus Christ, and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is imputed and freely given to him as his own, yea, so perfectly as if he had satisfied in his own person for all his sins and fulfilled all righteousness. And thirdly, that everyone examine his own conscience, whether he purposes henceforth to show true thankfulness to God in his whole life and to walk uprightly before him, as also whether he hath laid aside unfeignedly all enmity, hatred, and envy, and doth firmly resolve henceforward to walk in true love and peace with his neighbor. All those then who are thus disposed, God will certainly receive in mercy, and count them worthy partakers of the table of his Son, Jesus Christ. And on the contrary, those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts, eat and drink judgment to themselves. Therefore, we also, according to the command of Christ, and the Apostle Paul admonish all those who are, undefi- who are defiled with the following sins to keep themselves from the table of the Lord and de- declare to them that they have no part in the kingdom of Christ, such as all idolaters, all those who invoke deceased saints, angels, or other creatures, all those who worship images, all enchanters, diviners, charmers, and those who confide in such enchantments all despisers of God and of his word and of the holy sacraments, all blasphemers, all those who are given to raise discord, sex, and mutiny in church or state, all perjured persons, all those who are disobedient to their parents and superiors, all murderers, contentious persons, 
and those who live in hatred and envy against their neighbors, all adulterers, whoremongers, drunkards, thieves, users, robsters, robbers, gamesters, covetous, and all who lead offensive lies. All these, while they continue in such sins, shall abstain from this meat, which Christ hath ordained only for the faithful, lest their judgment and condemnation be made the heavier. But this is not designed, dearly beloved, and brethren and sisters in the Lord, to deject the contrite hearts of the faithful, as if none might come to the supper of the Lord, but those who are without sin. For we do not come to the supper to testify thereby that we are perfect and righteous in ourselves, but on the contrary, considering that we seek our life out of ourselves in Jesus Christ, we acknowledge that we lie in the midst of death. Therefore, notwithstanding, we feel many infirmities and miseries in ourselves, as namely that we have not perfect faith, and that we do not give ourselves to serve God with that zeal as we are bound, but have daily to strive with the weakness of our faith and the evil lusts of our flesh. And yet, since we are, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, sorry for these weaknesses and earnestly desirous to fight against all against our unbelief and to live according to all the commandments of God, therefore, we rest assured that no sin or infirmity which still remains against our will in us can hinder us from receive, being received of God in mercy and from being made a worthy partaker of this heavenly meat and drink. And we look forward next Lord's Day to remembering Christ's suffering and death. Dear church family, have you ever lost something? Something that's valuable to you or to another that you might know? Does that leave you with a sinking feeling at times and you are scrambling, trying to recall where you placed it? A sense of, maybe a sense of hopelessness or helplessness. Thinking maybe it's lost forever. But no doubt you went about searching for it, maybe retracing your steps, thinking, where did I go? Where did I use that thing last? Places that you frequently go to. Or maybe, maybe as parents, you, one of your children, there's been a time where one of your children was lost. I can recall my a time when my sister was lost in a, in a mall. And I can remember my mom frantically searching for her. You do everything in your power to find that child. Calling out their name, searching the aisles of the store, enlisting the help of others. And what was it that drove you or would drive you to this desperate search? Is it not because you love your child that you have to, you have to find her? 
Well, today we come to a passage that describes the love of one who will seek and will find those whom he loves. Our text comes from Luke 15, verse 6, the second half of the text. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. This morning we want to consider Christ's delight, his love, his willingness to to receive sinners to himself, his willingness to, to find lost sinners. And we hope to do this by reflecting on the characteristics of that lost sheep, but also the characteristics of those who are found sheep. And so our theme this morning is lost and found, with two points, a lost sheep and a found sheep. Luke begins chapter 15 with these opening beautiful words describing not only Christ's love for sinners, but eventually he comes to the opposition that this love experiences. Verse 1, he, Luke begins with, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Publicans and sinners. The worst of the worst in Jewish society. Traitors, notorious sinners. One who's, ones who are living in flagrant public sin. As one commentator says, to associate with such people, with this class of people, is considered contaminating. And then to eat with them? Outrageous. And it was such people that Jesus was drawing drawing near to him. These people were drawing near to Jesus. This phrase, drew near, could be translated were drawing near, or were continually drawing near to be about Jesus. Young people, maybe in our day and age, we were say, we could say something along the lines of they were coming out, they were coming to hang out with Jesus. Because of his great love, because of his mercy, that he was willing to bestow and show to such, such a people. The religious leaders said he receives sinners and he eats with them. They came near for to hear him, the text says. They were coming because they had been given ears to hear. They were coming because they wanted to listen to Jesus. They wanted to soak up his teachings. They wanted to receive instruction for what it was like to live in the kingdom as ones who had been lost but were now found, as ones who had been translated from a a life of darkness into the kingdom of light, ones who had been dead but were now alive. And we too are called to come and draw near to Christ We too this morning have an opportunity to come and to be under the Word. 
And friend, why did you come? Why have you chosen to be here this morning or to tune in via the live stream? Was it to draw near to Jesus, to be around him? Was it to hear from him his word? Was it out of a desire to commune with Christ? Or was it like the Pharisees and the the scribes who were also coming near, in a sense they were coming near because Jesus heard their complaint? Was it because of tradition? Because it's just the thing to do? Not really having ears to hear? The Pharisees and scribes, too, drew near, came to Jesus, but not to hear him, but to, to, to raise up a complaint against him. They complain, they murmur, and they find fault with Christ. And it surrounds, their fault surrounds why and what was taking place. They saw these publicans and sinners drawing forth to hear Jesus and their complaint centers on this reality that Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. What they said was absolutely true, but they meant it as a a condemnation, as a derogatory statement. But for the sinner, this is our only hope. That Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. And dear believer, isn't, isn't it your longing this coming Lord's Day to come and eat with Christ at the table of the Lord? Isn't it your longing to, to rejoice in this reality that Jesus is the one that receives sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees and scribes murmured and complained. They said it out loud. They were talking among themselves. This man, he receives such sinners and he eats with them. But Jesus, knowing what's going on in the hearts and the minds, and he's hearing these words from the scribes and Pharisees, responds with, a, with teaching. He speaks directly to them. He speaks this parable, and he spake this parable to them, saying, a parable that is meant to give instruction to the scribes and Pharisees in particular, but also to us today. It's a single parable, the rest of this chapter, divided into three parts with one, with one message. A message that's unified, namely to demonstrate the love and willingness of Christ to receive sinners, to save sinners. J.C. Ryle says he, that Jesus came to do for sinners what the shepherd did for the lost sheep, what the woman did for the lost money, and what the father did for the prodigal son. And it's our desire now to, to consider the first part of this parable, this act of love of Christ 
as demonstrated through the imagery of the shepherd and the sheep, the shepherd going out to search for his lost sheep. This imagery of the shepherd and the sheep is, is applicable in, in so many ways. It's a, it's an imagery that's used throughout the scriptures to, to describe not only the Lord Jesus Christ himself as, as the good shepherd, an imagery that we see multiple times throughout the scriptures. Think of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Or John 10, where Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd. Christ also refers to, is referred to as the Lamb. That Lamb who gave Himself willingly as the once for all sacrifice. But it's also an imagery throughout the Scriptures that the Lord uses to describe us as people, as sheep. And it's imagery that we're going to be picking up, Pastor Dieter and myself, over the next uh, several services as we consider the Lord's uh, this preparatory message on Wednesday Pastor Dieter hopes to turn to John 10 and then for our Lord's Supper message also from John 10 focusing on this imagery of the shepherd and the sheep The imagery of the people of God being sheep. We want to look at the characteristics of the sheep themselves this morning and the care that they are required to have from a good shepherd. Philip Keller, who was a shepherd, but also wrote a book entitled A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, writes this, The behavior of the sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Our mass mind instincts, our fears, our timidity, our stubbornness and stupidity, our perverse habits are all parallels found of profound importance. And it's this imagery that Jesus picks up on in verses 3 through 7. And Keller describes three characteristics of sheep who are prone to get lost that are so true of sinners who are lost in our sins and trespasses. Lost sheep are sheep that tend to be prone to wander. Isaiah Isaiah writes in chapter 53, verse 6, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every, every one to his own way. By nature, we as fallen human beings, we are prone to wander. We are prone to go our own way, to do our own thing. We don't want to follow the good shepherd. We're discontent, thinking that we there are greener pastures elsewhere, that there's better places to find hope and happiness in this life. And so as wandering sheep, we stray further and further by nature from 
our God, the one who has created us. We go our own way. We're like sheep who are not content with the pastures and the places that the Lord has placed us in. And we stray into dangerous places in search of better pastures. Keller describes one such sheep from his flock. She was a restless, discontented, a fence crawler. And no matter what field or pasture the sheep were in, she would search all the fences or the shoreline, looking for a loophole that she could crawl through and start to feed on the other side. It was not that she lacked pasture. My fields were, were my joy and delight. No sheep in the district had better grazing. But it was an ingrained habit. She was simply never content with things as they were. Friends, we are all prone to wander. We are all like sheep gone astray. And the question is, have, have we seen ourselves as that? As a sheep that is prone to go astray? Not content with the Creator, the Lord, not content with His way, and so wanting to go our own way, find our own ways of salvation and hope. Are you still astray? Are you still on your own? Unable to return back because you are lost. But not only are we sheep that are prone to wander, but we are also sheep that are incredibly stubborn by nature. We prefer our own way. We desire to follow our own fancies, even when we know it does not lead us into a good place. By nature, we are proud, determined, and stubborn people in our self-destruction. We insist that we know what is best, even when we know the results are disastrous. How many times growing up have we heard our conscience speak to us, don't do this. And we stubbornly do not listen, and we go our own way. We make Sinful choices, bad choices. And every time we do, every time we tread that path of disobedience, every time we pursue, persist in it, the route becomes ingrained and easier to follow. Keller says, just as sheep will blindly and habitually and stupidly follow one another along the same little trails until they become ruts and erode into gigantic gullies, so we humans cling to the same habits that we have seen ruin other lives. The stubborn, self-willed, proud, self-sufficient sheep that persist in pursuing old paths 
grazing on its own polluted ground, will end up a bag of bones on ruined land. And it's amid all this chaos and confusion that Christ, the Good Shepherd, comes. He comes to find stubborn, wandering, straying sheep who, as we, in our third aspect of what does a lost sheep look like, is a sheep who is absolutely helpless to find its way back. Lost sheep will never find their way back to the rest of the flock. They will either continue to wander further and further away, or they'll get caught up in some rough terrain or a thicket like the ram that Abraham found on Mount Moriah, or they will lie down and become cast, which is a term Keller describes is a, those, those intimately acquainted with sheep and their habits understand the significance of a cast sheep. It's an old English shepherd's term for a sheep that has turned over on its back and cannot get up by itself. A cast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it's, it flays away frantically, struggling to stand up and without success. Sometimes it will bleed out for a little help, but generally it just lies there lashing about in, in frightened frustration. And if the owner does not arrive on the scene within a reasonably short period of time, the sheep will die. Friends, this is a picture of who you and I are by nature. Unable to do anything for ourselves, to, re- to save ourselves. We're completely incapacitated, as it were, cast on our back, filling in an attempt to turn ourselves over, unaware of the danger that we're in. But when, by God's grace, we are awakened, awakened to our need of Him, we realize that we cannot do anything as a word to upright ourselves, to get ourselves back up on our feet. Because we're weighed down by our sin, our inabilities. And we need the shepherd to come and find us. To rescue us in our lost condition. Friend, have you ever found yourselves to be like that lost sheep? One who has wandered. One who has gone his own way. One who has stubbornly pursued to leave the good pasture cast in need of the shepherd to rescue. And then cry out to him, even now, in your heart, in your mind. For you don't, you don't know how much longer you have before the cold hand of death that would take a sheep sets in on you either because of hunger or thirst or a dreadful enemy. There's nothing you can do. Cry out to Him. Call upon Him. 
But we don't be discouraged because we have a shepherd. There is a shepherd, a good shepherd, who is searching for lost sheep. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our only hope. And He's the one who receives sinners and eats with them. He's the one who goes out and seeks and finds in the byways and in the wilderness of this life those who are lost. That we'll look at in our, our second thought. We have a good shepherd who loves his sheep. In the instance, he recognizes that there is one missing in the flock that is in danger, it is in need of rescue. The search is on for it. Jesus describes such a person when he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which was lost until he find it? Keller, Keller describing this situation says, It's not easy to convey on paper the sense of this ever-present danger. He says, often I would go out early and merely cast my eye across the sky, looking at the sky, and if I saw black-winged buzzards circling overhead in their long, slow spiral, anxiety would grip me. Leaving everything else, I would immediately go into the rough, wild pastures and count the flock to make sure that everyone was well and fit and able on its, to be on its feet. And he says this is part of the pageantry of the drama depicted for us in in our chapter. There is the shepherd's deep concern, his agonizing search as he his longing to find the missing one, and his delight in restoring it, not only to its feet, but to the flock as well as to himself. And so as we consider this, this sheep that the shepherd will find and bring back to the flock, I want to consider four aspects of this found sheep. And then the first, the first aspect is, the first characteristic is that this sheep has a claim on it. He's a claimed sheep. Notice in our text, I have found my sheep. My sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep, even those who are lost and in need of being rescued and brought into the fold. It echoes Jesus' words in John 6, verse 37, where Jesus says that all that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And then in verse 39, Jesus continues, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given to me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. By nature, we have all been lost sheep. But sheep whom in God's providence and his mercy and his grace he has found If you are a dear child of God, if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's because Jesus has found you lost. And he's found you because you are his, have been given to him by the Father. And in due time, he will bring every single one of his sheep into 
his fold. Not one will be left behind. And dear believer, this is comforting. The Lord Jesus, as the great shepherd, has put a claim on you as his. Even before you were saved. While we were yet in our sins and misery, he died for ungodly sinners. He humbled himself. He came into this world. He lived here for 33 years. He suffered. He died. He was buried and he rose again so that he could find lost sinners and restore them. So that his blood could wash away from all sin. So that he could have this accusation presented against him. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Or in our text, this man, this shepherd, goes out and finds his sheep. His sheep. So you, the people of God are acclaimed people. But the second thing we notice about these sheep that have been found is that they are a repentant sheep. Jesus, as he calls for us to, re, to rejoice with him, says, rejoice for I have found my sheep. In the next verse, he then adds this, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Jesus found sheep, are repentant sheep. But what does this mean? What does it mean to be a repentant sheep? Well, this, uh, the word for repentance has the idea of changing one's mind. It's an internal changing of the heart, of the mind. From pursuing sin, loving sin, living for sin, enjoying sin, there's a change. We begin to see sin for what it is. We see that it's my sin, that my sin is against the Lord God of the heavens and the earth. And that it's heinous and ugly in his sight. But we not only see our sin for what it is, we also sorrow over sin. Our hearts are grieved because of the sin that lives in us. We hate it. And it causes us to turn to the Lord in confession. And with, like David prays in Psalm 51, against thee, thee only have I sinned. Grieving over sin. But there's also an aspect of there's just a sense of overwhelming shame of what I've done to God and others. Burden because of what I've done. Is there, is there forgiveness for such a one like I am? Look at what I've done to my Lord and Maker. And there's a growing repulsion, repulsion to sin, towards my own sin and sin in in general. 
there's not only a change in mind of how we view our sin in terms of seeing it as ugly and heinous, grieving over it, finding being ashamed because of it and confessing it to the Lord, but we also turn to the one who has has died to forgive sins. We turn to the finished work of Christ for forgiveness of our sins. To turn to Him to, to wash us and make us thoroughly clean. A repentant sinner recognizes that it's only going to be in Christ Jesus that there is hope for them. Hope to be cleansed, but also hope to live it out in daily life. To find strength to flee and fight and put off sin. Friends, have you ever come to that realization in your own heart and mind? This internal change of heart. Have you been grieved because of your sin? And has that driven you to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is able to cleanse you from all sin? Do you hate your sin? Do you see it as an affront to the Lord? Well, yes, dear believer, you're, you're saying, I hate it, but I see so much of it in my own heart and my life still. But friend, where do you go when you see your sin? Where does it drive you? Does it drive you again and again to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness Again and again. Is he the only one that you go to for the forgiveness of your sin? If you're a repentant sinner who has turned and fled to the Lord Jesus Christ and are grieved because of sin, it's this good shepherd desires to commune with you this coming Lord's Day morning. Because these are ones that he has found. And the third characteristic that we see of this found sheep, not only a claimed sheep, not only a repentant sheep, but it's also a sheep that is carried. Verse 5, And when he hath found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. The shepherd, in finding his lost sheep, gently and carefully cares for his own. Maybe she's been injured. Maybe she's starving, suffering from extreme thirst. Maybe weighed down because of a heavy coat of fur that is maybe filled with mud and burrs or bugs. And the shepherd gently turns her over. cares for her, ensures that she's gives her some water, some food maybe, and then picks her up, puts her around her shoulders, hanging on to the two feet. And we can just picture it, the head of the lamb, the sheep here beside the shepherd's head, and he begins the journey back to the rest of the flock. Friend, it's the heart of this earthly shepherd for a sheep that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ. A heart of mercy and compassion as Christ comes, but not only finds this sheep, 
But he picks it up and he carries it, he cares for it, and he will never let her go. He takes his dear wandering ones and he carries them home. He's promised in Hebrews chapter 13, I believe it is, that he will never leave nor forsake. Nothing and no one can take the child of God from his grasp. No matter what comes in life, dear child of God, whether it's our own continued sin, whether it's the storms of life from within or without, we're secure in the, on the good shepherd's shoulders. And as he walks, he speaks to his sheep. No doubt he's talking to her, soothing her, encouraging her, maybe reprimanding her, rebuking her for her stubbornness and her, her, her straying nature. But all the while talking to her. And he begins, and he walks and takes the safest and surest route back to the flock to continue to feed, to care for the sheep, the ones that he has purchased with his own blood. And dear believer, this is what he continues to do day after day after day. As we come under the word, we're under his faithful care. It's through his word that he speaks to us. But also next Lord's Day, he calls us to come and commune with him. He calls his own sheep to come and dine and to rejoice with him. And this leads to the fourth characteristic of the sheep who have been found. They are a sheep that have been rejoiced over by the shepherd himself. And when he hath found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. But he not only rejoices over the ones he finds, but he commands others to join him in rejoicing. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then in verse 7, as he, as he explains the parable, he says there's going to be joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. If you've been found by the Good Shepherd, Jesus rejoices over you, over finding you and bringing back to, bringing you, a sinner, back into the fold. Yes, forgiven, but it brings joy to Christ Himself. And it's this joy that Christ desires us to have. John 15, verse 11, Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Saving lost souls, finding lost sheep, brings Jesus great delight, for this is why he came into the world. But he also calls calls us to rejoice in his salvation as well. He calls us to rejoice with him in the salvation of others. Dear believer, isn't it your delight, your great joy when you hear what the Lord is doing in the hearts and lives of others in the midst of the flock 
in the world and around the world? Doesn't it cause you to rejoice in the Lord? Doesn't it encourage you to continue to live faithful? And so we look forward to tomorrow, tomorrow next, or next week, Lord's Day morning, to see the Lord's continued faithfulness, trusting that He is continuing to work in our midst, inclining hearts to come and remember what He has done for sinners like us. And so tomorrow, next week, He comes and He calls us to come and feed, to come and commune with Him because He rejoices over those whom He has found and He longs to rejoice with His people. Friends, there's only two options for us. Either we are a lost sheep still in the wilderness of this life, continuing to wander, stray, cast on our backs, helpless in finding our own way back. And if that's where you are right now, still in this life, if that's where you find yourself to be still next Lord's Day morning, Friend, you have no right to be at the table of the Lord. But he does call you. I am the good shepherd. I am one who receives sinners and eats with them. And may you, like the publicans and sinners, draw near to him, come to him, to hear him. And it's our prayer that you will have ears to hear and hearts to understand. Or the other option, you are a found sheep. There's no in-between. You're either lost or you're found. And if you're found, you have a claim on you. Jesus says, you're my sheep. And being his sheep, you will be a repentant sheep. You will be grieving over sin. You will be repenting of it. And you will be living out of his strength, desiring to live out of his strength more and more to to fight against sin. But you're also a carried sheep, one who is being cared for and supported. And one of the ways that the Lord Jesus cares for his sheep is by calling you next Lord's Day to come and dine with him to feed on him, to drink the bread or to eat the bread and drink the wine, communing with him. For it is these through this very means of word and sacrament that he continues to strengthen our faith. And he desires to come and he delights to join you at the table because he rejoices over those whom he has found. So he calls you to come next Lord's Day morning, and feed with Him. Where are you, friend? He's still lost in this wilderness, in this wilderness of sin. Or are you found on the shoulders of the Good Shepherd, being carried 
carried into the rest of the flock. There's only one of two options. Where are you? Amen. Great Shepherd of the sheep, we're thankful that thou art one who go has come into this wilderness of a world, darkness and sin to save lost sinners by giving thine own life on the cross so that ungodly sinners could be saved. We pray that thy found sheep, the ones that thou hast rejoiced over, would would be ones who are recognize the claim that is on them, that they are not their own, but they belong unto another. May they be grieved over their sin, and may they rest in the finished work of Christ. May they know that they, they are a cared-for sheep, being carried even on the shoulders of the shepherd. May they hear the voice of the good shepherd calling out to them. May they hear his voice and follow him. And may we and all those who know thee this coming Lord's Day morning heed the command of our shepherd to come and dine, to come and feed from his good hands, to commune with him, and to live for him. And so do go before us, Lord. We're thankful for the privilege we had to gather, even if it's a little later than usual. Lord, we pray for thy blessing. In Christ's name alone, amen.